Angelo, and welcome to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Herman Eben and Paul Moore with you, and Herman, I'm a little bit confused. Okay. I've been sitting here, and I've been listening to you, and others who've been listening might think like I am. It's not okay to talk about me. It's so interesting that that question often comes up at some point in the discussion, because we're talking about the problem, and the problem is we make life all about ourselves, right? Yes, sir. So typically at some point, and I'm glad you brought this up, at some point somebody's going to go, well, is it always wrong to be thinking about me? Is it always wrong? Well, let's answer that question right after we pray. Okay. Lord, thank you so much that you have, again, provided us clarity. You have provided us all things that we need for life and godliness. And again, the issue is we're not paying attention to you. We're paying attention to our opinion about how things work. We are so tied up in ourselves that we miss what you're asking us to consider. Lord, I pray that we are clear in the way we approach whatever we're talking about today. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Now, honestly, I didn't hear a thing you were saying. All I was focused on is, why is it so wrong to think about me? I'm trying to be a good follower of Christ. I want to mm-hmm. be conformed to his image. And everything I hear, it's, you know, my me's flashing. And okay, mm-hmm. so it's just in my head. It's wrong to think about me. Well, it's that's the easiest place to go. And you'll probably have more clarity if you focus your attention more in that area that that's just wrong. That's just wrong to consider thinking about me. But at the same time, I do want you to consider that there are legitimate times that you could say, well, that's okay to think about me, isn't it? For instance, are you thinking about yourself when you decide that you're going to say, Lord, you're the answer for my eternity? Isn't that, isn't that a time that you're thinking about yourself? I'm thinking that was a pretty selfish decision on my part, and it was a good one. It's a very good one. That's exactly right. That would So be, see, there's one example of thinking about me is clearly a good thing. That's exactly right. We take one situation and we expand it to say, well, it's okay to think about me all the time. That's, that's what we could end up doing with something that that's very, very good. A little is good, more is better. <laughs> Unfortunately, a little knowledge is good. More knowledge sometimes is not good <laughs> because we, we end up trusting our knowledge rather than God. Okay, so when is it okay to make it about me? When we have that type of thinking that it's always wrong to think about me, we may be missing out in the opportunity to consider, I really do need to be examining myself from the viewpoint of saying, am I thinking correctly? That's a a good time to be thinking about me. The better way to approach this, though, is let's go and determine if we can, from God's Word, when it is right and when it is wrong to think about me. If we could establish a guideline on how to consider that. And here is the way that I want us to try to approach this. We can be more knowledgeable about when it's right and when it's wrong by applying the greatest commandment. The answer of whether you are self-controlled or self-absorbed is what we're looking for, right? Because if I'm making life about me, that terminology we are using is self-absorbed. So the issue is, we're trying to answer the question, when is it okay to think about me? And I'm going to change the terminology to, 
how should we be thinking about this? We should be thinking about whether we're being self-absorbed or being self-controlled. That's the real terminology that we want to be using here because self-absorbed is a very negative term, right? We, right. Could, we could accept that. Self-controlled is a more positive term, and it's a term that we do want to have in our life because it's an element of the fruit of the Spirit, right? So either one of those are self have self in them, right? Right. So I'm trying to answer the question with those two terms. When is it right to be thinking about me? Well, whenever I'm thinking about me, I'm going to fall into one of two camps. I'm either self-absorbed or I'm self-controlled. That's this isn't how, what it looks like, Herman. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean this isn't what it looks I'm like? I'm self-controlled. I'm not self-absorbed. <laughs> Trust me. Well, what we have is an opportunity to determine when we are self-controlled. We can know if we're self-controlled. We can therefore know if we're not self-controlled, we're probably self-absorbed. So that's where I bring up the greatest commandment and the second that's like unto it. That's Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, or if you want to go to Mark twelve thirty, it's there, or Luke ten twenty-seven, it's also there. But let me read to you Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said to him, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself." On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So the answer for you knowing whether your thoughts are self-controlled or self-absorbed are right there. Okay, you're reading my mind. I didn't see it. Explain, please. (laughs) Exactly. It is so interesting for us to come to this passage and, and miss that the Lord is explaining something that's really, really, really important for us. Otherwise, he wouldn't call it the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it. Here's what it comes down to. Or should we make them wait until the uh, second second break? No, no, no. I'm thinking <laughs> we just did the program, you know, on holiday stressing. And now you want to say, am I self-absorbed or self-controlled? And it's like this great commandment. I'm thinking, wow, clearly it's not about me. I just took the neighbor, you know, a rhubarb pie. Yeah, <laughs> you could you you could be self-absorbed even in doing that. But here's here's what I'll throw out to you. When your thoughts, actions, and feelings about me, capital M-E, not talking about me, Herman Eben, but about yourself, when your thoughts, actions, and feelings about yourself, one, do not interfere with obeying God, and two, do not interfere with pursuing the best for others, then your thoughts about yourself are okay and acceptable to God. That, that seems kind of strange, doesn't it? Those are the two criteria that you want to use to know if your thoughts about you are on target or off target. Here's how you can think about it then. So am I thinking about myself to the point where it's going to cause my actions, cause my thoughts, cause my feelings to be more energized to obey God? Or two, are my thoughts, are my actions, are my feelings going to create more energy to pursue the best for others? Those two things are the key criteria to know whether you're self-absorbed or self-controlled. May I ask for an example? The issue would be simply, am I in a situation right now thinking, and my thoughts are driving me to think, Paul is such a lousy character. 
I can know immediately if I sat back and looked at that, that that is not fulfilling the two two issues of the greatest commands. I'm not pursuing your best. I'm thinking about myself there, right? As opposed to if my thoughts were, how can I really help Paul today? Then I know very clearly that my thoughts are aligned with pursuing your best, like, like God is saying in the second commandment, to love my neighbor as myself, to love you as a person. It's not about me, so my thoughts, whenever I'm thinking about driving myself to having those type of thoughts about you, I'm thinking about me, so to speak, in the right way to pursue your best. Okay, where can I look at this in the video material if I want to dig deeper? It's, it's not. It's not. This is something that... Ah, we, so this is a case where you're really no fool and have to go to the website, greatrelationships.com, grnumeral8relationships.com, and click on the radio tab. There's no video. This is Herman large and alive, you know. Um, bless <laughs> God. Thank you. Listen. Uh, again, the website, greatrelationships.com, grnumeral8relationships.com. We'll be back right after this. definitions for great relationships. We have all asked, what is love? Love is pursuing the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Great definitions for great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You know how you're always praying for a sign from God? That you're meant to go to seminary? This is your sign. Seriously, I'm here to tell you about Grace. Grace School of Theology. It's free grace based. The professors are world class. It's accredited, accessible, attainable, and oh yes, it's affordable. You can even complete your entire degree online, which means you don't have to move. Wouldn't it be great to have a deeper knowledge of the Word of God? Write this down. www.gsot.edu gsot.edu or call 877-476-8674 877-476-8674 Now get going! Welcome back. You're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, and love, because it takes right thinking for right relationships right now. And right now, Herman, we're talking about what about me? Normally, if you go to the website, greatrelationships.com, that's gr numeral eight relationships.com, there are these videos, there's a study guide, all this material you can dig deeper, but not today. So you need to go to the radio tab and look for the program entitled, What About me. Mm-hmm. So what about me, Herman? Before the break, I was asking you, everything I'm listening says, you know, I'm supposed to be investing in thinking and focused on others. When is it okay to think about me? Right. And typically, the smartest way to approach life is just to go, it's 
it's seldom, if ever, right to think about me. That's the easiest way to answer that question. It's seldom, if ever, right to think about me. About the only time that it's right to think about yourself is if you're examining yourself to make sure you're in lining with God's Word. That's, that's the easiest way to answer this. I'm answering it a little bit a little bit more generalized, a little bit more aligned with God's Word, two commandments, in fact. That's okay. how I'm going to answer it. Well, before the break, you were giving me some stri- Scripture to help me dial in. Mm-hmm. The way that I want to answer this without just saying, you know, okay, it's pretty much never right to think about yourself. But that's not true. We talked about the moment of salvation. That's right. Was that really the last exit for me on the highway of life? Yeah, and and pretty much I would would almost be willing to say, yeah, (laughs) That's, that's pretty much it. But at the same time, I do want to answer this very clearly based on God's Word. So, what I'm saying to you, the easiest way for you to determine whether or not you're thinking about yourself is on target or off target is to take it back to what Jesus says is the first and great commandment and the second that's like unto it. Okay. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. If you're not driving or if you're in, a, in a, a situation where you can write this down, here's the way that I like for people to think about it. When my thoughts, actions, and feelings about me, one, do not interfere with obeying God, or two, do not interfere with pursuing the best for others, then my thoughts about me are okay or acceptable to God. Now, just think about that. If I am thinking in any form or fashion about myself, And those thoughts drive me to not obey God or to interfere with me pursuing the best for another person, then I'm off base in thinking about me. Okay, and that's where you gave me the thing. Am I being self-absorbed or am I being self-controlled? Right. Only my hairdresser knows for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And if those thoughts, actions, and feelings about yourself drive you to be obeying God or pursuing the best for others, you're being self-controlled. That's how I would classify that terminology. If not, you're being self-absorbed. And unfortunately, I think the majority of the time that we live in our lives, the majority of times, we are being self-absorbed. Okay, so let me go back to that rhubarb pie I was talking about in the first section. So if I go to take that rhubarb pie over, which, by the way, I love it, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I go to take that rhubarb pie over to the neighbor, and I'm thinking somehow to get something out of it, I'm being self-absorbed. Exactly. It's that But if I know that they're having a party and it might serve them, or I know that they like it as well and I want to share them, then I'm actually being self-controlled. Sure, sure. So just take the rhubarb pie. Lord, uh, I'm going to take this rhubarb pie over because I'm obeying you about being hospitable, being a good neighbor, offering and uh, offering things to other people. Well, good. That doesn't interfere with obeying God at all. You're simply obeying God. Secondly, I want to pursue their best. Well, that's great. I'm thinking about doing this. I want to do this. Any of those I words in that regard, it's totally okay because it's outward focused on serving other people as opposed to just like you said, I'm going to provide this rhubarb pie to them because I want to get on their good side. (laughs) (laughs) I want them to think well of me. I mean, that's easy to see that you're self-absorbed with that mindset. The ones that are more difficult are the ones that you have to think through, okay, am I really doing this to obey God? 
and pursue the best for other people, or am I really making this about me? It seldom, I promise you, this almost becomes an intellectual exercise that's not needed. Because we know pretty much most of the time when we're being self-absorbed. Very rarely is it going to be a situation that's difficult. Here's where it becomes difficult when you're asking for help. Sometimes people have a tendency to think, well, I can't ask for help because that means I'm focused on me. Well, yeah, that's possible. Well, I mean, I can go through all kinds of different examples of when I'm asking for help, but... Herman, that's spot on. What about when I realistically know I need help? I need help. Well, is it causing you in that search for help? Are you obeying God to seek out the help from the body? If you are, if you're following that mindset, then it's probably okay. If you aren't, then more than likely you're making it about yourself. You just want help because you are focused on yourself and you really don't care about the body of Christ. You just want to get out of your pain. Well, that's one of those difficult things to struggle through. You can answer that question pretty clearly, I think, by the second criteria. The Lord has told me that he wants me to be in a body, to be supported by the body, that I'm part of a body. Therefore, it's okay for me to ask for help. But am I asking for the help as I'm pursuing the best for others, or am I just wanting it for myself? What if I'm depressed and I want to hurt myself? Mm -hmm. What if I'm in a bad relationship and it's about to end, Mm -hmm. and I don't want it to end? Most of the things that you stated there are interesting things to discover. We can't answer that question by just talking about it in general. You'd have to have a specific person here talking about it to know whether it was self-absorbed or self-controlled. Most likely... I promise you, please err on the side of most likely it's self-absorbed. Almost every time that we are focused, our attention on ourselves, it probably is self-absorbed. Okay, but even, even in those situations where you're talking about, well, I'm depressed, I'm thinking about hurting myself. Unfortunately, we don't realize how much depression really is driven by a self-focus rather than a God-focus in serving, on, uh, serving other people. Okay, but what if I'm being abused? I mean, I hate to point it into the corner. I'm being abused. I'm ready to chew off my own arm to get free of the situation, and yet I'm supposed to pursue another person's deal. Great. I can get to the point where I can say it's between them and God, but what about me? Who's hearing me in my desperate hour of need? Well, I understand that completely. I really do. And it's not that I've ever had to experience that. Uh, I've never had to experience that type of difficulty in my life at this point in time. I will tell you, though, that God has specifically spoken to that issue in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, that we have been called to suffer unjustly. We have been called to a life that is a life just like Jesus experienced when he suffered unjustly and died on the cross for our sins. Uh, when we are doing right things and suffering for it, that is one of the clearest indications that we're participating with Jesus in the same way that he died for us. Unjustly, he died for us. But we have these mindsets that we should go through life, go through the Christian life, and never have to suffer any pain, anything difficult. Well, we've been called to suffer unjustly. We want to ignore those scriptures. That is a a very unfortunate thing that we ignore that, but God works through those type of times to cause us to be able to be seeing uh, the life of Jesus flow through us in a 
stronger and more applicable way to the people around us. So I, I hate to say it and be this downer because the Christian life is a, a life of joy and peace. But at the same time, we need to recognize that if we are to participate with Jesus Christ, we will be participating with his sufferings. First Peter chapter two, please pay attention to that. That leads directly into that very famous passage of first Peter chapter three that we've been talking about, which is that a woman is in a situation and she's suffering unjustly. She's to do it without a word. And if a man is suffering unjustly, he is to live with his wife in a caring, understanding and a, a, a way that is benefiting her. Wow. So there is joy and peace, even if life is unfair. Great relationships. That's grnumulaterelationships.com. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes for great relationships. That woman was taken from man no more implies the inferiority of woman to man than the taking of man from the ground implies the inferiority of man to the ground. Nor does the term helper connote subordination. Dr. Eugene Merrill. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. Relationships can be great. And not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R-numeral-8-relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Welcome back. We're listening to Great Relationships. Herman, before the break, when I asked you, how can I know whether I am being self-absorbed or self-controlled? Self-controlled, right. See, I'm mm -hmm. sorry, it's just a Freudian slip, right? I don't even <laughs> want to go there. Whether I'm being self-absorbed or self-controlled, you said, well, Paul, that's easy. And I wrote it down. Uh, for people on the road, you can go back. This is a program called What About Me? Mm -hmm. And click on the radio tab. There's not a video on this. so And it's not even in the study guide. But I wrote it down. And you said, how can I know whether I'm being self-controlled or self-absorbed? And you said, Paul, when my thoughts, actions, and feelings about me, one, do not interfere with obeying God, two, do not interfere with pursuing the best for others, then my thoughts about me are okay and acceptable to God. Okay, that's nice, but when we were reading the scripture in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, it was about love, not obey. And to me, there's a little more latitude in love than obey. <laughs> oh, Paul, you got me. <laughs> you no. are changing scripture. <laughs> no, actually, I changed that because too often people have no clue as to what it means to love God. 
we we banter this around and we even talk about falling in love with God and use those type of phrases. I'm loving God and I'm loving Jesus and I'm falling in love with Jesus. Using all that type of terminology, I appreciate I'm not going to just throw it out the baby with the bathwater. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make it more practical. Uh, go to John 14, 15. And what does okay. it say? It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's the reason why I'm using obey. It's a lot more practical to start thinking about it. And it's not as easy to let yourself off the hook when I say, uh, Paul, do you love God? You could just glibly, and I could just glibly go, well, of course I do. And then you say. And then I say, Paul, are you obeying what God has asked you to do today? And then you go. Excuse uh, me, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Let me get a little more clarification on that to know whether I can answer that question. See, it, it, it drives you down into seeing some reality about your life because John 14, 15 states it very clearly. I express my love to God based solely on am I doing what he asked me to do? Wow. Well, that is really important for us to consider. I am not following the first and greatest commandment of loving God if I'm not doing what he asked me to do. That makes it very black and white, doesn't it? That makes it very easy for us to know whether we're focused in the right direction or not. You just didn't want me to feel good about myself after today's <laughs> program, did you? Yeah, there's so much that we can talk about here. It's just unbelievable. Hello, so, and welcome to Outer Amen. <laughs> that's right. So the issue for us to consider here is when my thoughts are driving me to obey God, Meaning, if I'm thinking about myself, go right to the very thing that you brought up. Uh, well, is it all right to think about me from the viewpoint of accepting Jesus as my Savior, that he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, he lives again in me? Is that a good thought about? Yes, because that is part of obeying God. See that how that works? That is my supreme best interest. Yes, it is my supreme best interest, but it is obeying God. See how that works? Any thought that drives me to obey God is a good thought about me. And certainly the second commandment is dynamite for us. I need to be thinking about pursuing the best for others. That's that 1 Corinthians 13 passage. Love suffers long, is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, etc. It is a driving me to be considering others. So those thoughts about me, if you boil it down to making it that simple, you can know whether you're thinking about yourself correctly or incorrectly. If I'm thinking about myself incorrectly, the words we like to use are self-absorbed. I'm not paying attention to what God wanted. I'm paying attention to what I want. Or I'm self-controlled. I am paying attention to what God wants. That's a very easy way for us to consider this. Wow, thank you. When you put it in that context, it makes sense. If I'm sick and I go to the doctor that I might be better, mm -hmm. that's not being self-absorbed. Yeah, it's obeying. It's obeying. Literally, in that context, it'd be like obeying the doctor. I'm going to obey the doctor and tell what he tells me I need to do to get well. Uh, that isn't self-absorbed. That's that's 
the concept of being self-controlled. Some, some other words could be used there, but I, I'll, I'll force fit it into uh, self-controlled at that point. So the, the one thing I would ask you to consider remembering about all of this, the one thing, uh, and again, the idea is when is it okay to think of me and when is it not? Here's the one thing. Generally, it's not. <laughs> Gen- <laughs> generally, it's not okay to be thinking about as yourself. As a rule, it's a, not. As a rule. And the, the preponderance of the times. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to anecdotally say above 95% of the times of your thoughts about yourself, it's self-absorbed. It's not a, a, about obeying God or pursuing the best for others. Are my actions aligning with what God wants me to do as opposed to what I would prefer to do? Am I obeying God? That is a critical, critical thing, which leads you to what? The fundamental decision of life, right? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is again. It shows you how often it shows up. Do I trust God or do I trust something other than God? And unfortunately, most of the time, we are plugging ourselves into being self-absorbed and therefore trusting something other than God. Thank you, sir. This is not one of the videos or the study guide. So if you want to review this, if you want to get those definitions, if you want to be able to write down when my thoughts, actions, and feelings about me do not interfere with one, obeying God, or two, do not interfere with pursuing the best for others, you're going to have to click on the, for the radio tab, this program, What About Me? So, hon, uh, how many of the family are coming over this time? Looks like we'll have a full house. Again. What are we having? Same as always. Turkey and stressing. Stressing? What causes the stress? Have you not been at the last few family get-togethers? Can't you tell it's always more stressful? The more family you add to the equation, the more stressful it gets. I'm a grown adult, and I feel like I've turned back the clock and I'm in grade school again when mom arrives. (laughs) That's funny you should say that. I feel exactly the opposite, like I'm the only adult in a room full of kids. There must be a better way, a way where we all seek each other's best and enjoy our family time. By the way, when we have family gatherings, I'm worried that you could actually think you ever act like an adult. Don't be a turkey. Join Herman and Paul for their next show to learn how to take the stressing out of family relationships.